Take the pain. Welcome to episode 110 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now, this is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me over on socials, especially Twitter, where you can tweet at me, DM me, uh, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, whatever you want, topics for the show. I'd love to talk about video games with you over there. And of course, bring it to the show to talk a little more. Now, this episode, episode 110 of One Man Watchpoint, is going to be called Laying Low or Not. And the reason for that is, if you listened to last week's episode, of course, you may know that the episode was titled Laying Low. Now, very shortly after that, I actually found it uh, quite interesting that The Omnic Post, an account that I have actually followed since the earlier days of Overwatch, um, and I've been a big fan of for a long time, uh, posted a video, uh, something along the lines of, uh, what the heck was it? Uh, 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 I've got it up here. The Overwatch team has gone silent. Now, this is actually going to be the first news story that we talk about here, so I won't spoil it too much. But the interesting part is I titled our last episode Laying Low, and I kind of talked about how the team has been mostly quiet since the PvE announcement. And lo and behold, the Omnic post was uh, on the same wavelength as me. They posted a video about this. And then, of course, things progressed from there. So, in any case... Just to make it clear, you're not hearing a repeat of last week's episode, although the title is very similar. Uh, we will get into it a little bit more in a moment here. Now, before all that, this is, of course, an Overwatch podcast, and you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, I also encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where I am the third chair, along with my co-hosts, Chris and Alex. We talk everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League, but of course, we also talk Overwatch in general, Overwatch League in general, everything like that. But it is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. And if you listen to the most recent episode, I did actually miss the recording. Uh, I was a little bit busy with some real-life stuff, but I'll be back next week. Now, without further ado, let's dive on in. Take the pain. All right, so our first our first article here is going to take us over to Dexerto with an article by Michael Gwilliam posted on May 26th which is what I was talking about before. It reads, Overwatch 2 devs tease lots of Season 5 content amid claims they've, quote, gone silent. It's tough being an Overwatch 2 player right now. Earlier in May, the devs unveiled a big content roadmap heading into the second half of the year. And while story missions are coming, a lot of the expected PvE has been scrapped. News of the cancellation didn't sit well with the community, who accused the devs of lying and releasing the game while the promised Overwatch 2 hero missions were still thought to be in development. Now, with time passed since the unfortunate PvE revelation, Overwatch 2 executive producer Jared Noose has hit back at claims that the team has gone silent and teased some big announcements that will be coming up. Overwatch 2 dev says there is, quote, a lot of content on the way. 
In response to a video by The Omnic Post titled, quote, The Overwatch team has gone silent, Jared Noose voiced some confusion. Quote, have we? It's been a couple of weeks and some folks have been on vacation, but there's lots coming up to talk about, he revealed. They've then uh, got the actual tweet embedded there with a link to the Omnic Post's actual post and, of course, the video where uh, they do talk about this. Following this, a fan asked if the team has any plans to show off the story missions coming in Season 6, and the producer provided a bit of a hint as to what players can expect. According to Noose, while players will get a glimpse of Season 6 and the upcoming story missions, there will be a lot of Season 5 content to talk about. Quote, won't be long now, he hyped. Quest Watch is very cool. I can't wait to hear what folks think about it. Previously, fans had expressed a bit of concern about Season 5 and it lacking content compared to prior seasons and the aforementioned 6th, but Noose seems confident that it will deliver. In any case, we'll have to wait and see what the future holds once the devs unveil more details about Season 5 as it draws near. So, there you have it. Uh, I wanted to bring this up because it is just, it was very interesting. Also, I hope I'm pronouncing Jared's last name right. Noose. Nuss? It's, it's gotta be Noose. Anyways, uh, just it was such a funny coincidence that uh, the Omnic Post tweets out on May 26th there uh, their video about uh, you know the team laying low, and of course their their graphic on the uh, or their thumbnail reads deafening silence, and I just found it so funny that I had literally released my episode on May 25th, and it was in fact titled laying low so i'm obviously not the only one noticing this i'm obviously not the only one feeling this but the fact that the omnic post actually decided that that was going to be their messaging as well in the same week that i was laying said laying low was interesting and then of course jared actually responding to it was a little bit uh probably maybe the most shocking part um you know, typically not a ton of engagement on these kind of things by the team. But of course, Jared himself being a prominent figure is even more shocking. So with all that said, we'll move on here and we'll head on over to our second news article. Now I should mention, this is our second of only three news stories, because once again, despite the messaging, despite what Jared Noose is saying, it sure feels a lot like they are laying low. Um, so we have a, a minor thing happening in the game right now. And I say minor not because of the impact it has, but just because of uh, the fact that most of the change is cosmetic. But let's take a look here. We're going to head over to DottieSports.com with an article on May 30th posted by Max Michelli, which reads, Blizzard finally confirms two more LGBTQ plus Overwatch 2 heroes celebrates pride with free cosmetics. Two days ahead of the start of Pride Month, Blizzard has canonically confirmed that two more members, members, not members, of the Overwatch 2 roster are also a part of the LGBTQ plus community, and that confirmation has been a long time coming for some. The new digital short story, As You Are, which was released today on the official Overwatch website, revealed that Farah identifies as a lesbian, while Baptiste is bisexual. Well, this is the first confirmation of those heroes' sexuality, this isn't the first time fans have wondered about the sexuality of any specific hero in the game. Most recently, speculation about Baptiste's sexuality surfaced following the release of Lifeweaver last month at the start of Season 4. Lifeweaver was introduced to the game as Overwatch's first openly pansexual character, and in pre-match dialogue between Lifeweaver and Baptiste, the Haitian mercenary is receptive to Lifeweaver's flirtatious advances. The dialogue includes Lifeweaver saying that he has dinner reservations for a nice restaurant and needs someone to go with him. The dialogue that follows indicates the two might have a mutual 
interest in one another. Meanwhile, longtime Overwatch players will be familiar with the Farah Mercy duo for more than just Farah and Mercy's gameplay synergy. The ship is almost as old as Overwatch itself, and As You Are also includes a reference to the pair's relationship in the game's lore. With Farah seeming to have plenty to mull over when it comes to her, the winged healer. The new short story comes just two days before Overwatch 2's Pride Celebration, which Blizzard announced today will include a wide array of free LGBTQ cosmetic options to all players that log into Overwatch 2, as well as some merchandising. Blizzard states in their blog post that the net proceeds from their Pride merchandise will go to the National Center for Transgender Equality. In total, Overwatch 2 will have 15 different sexuality-related player icons and 24 player name cards. Vara, Baptiste, Soldier76, Lifeweaver, and Tracer each have two name cards. The character cards feature their silhouettes, and one has a general pride theme, while the other has a more sexuality-specific pride color theme. So, there you go. Uh, like I say, this is it's, it is an impactful update, although it's not necessarily a a huge update to the game right it allows people to represent themselves with their name cards with their uh, player icons and of course uh, we also know that uh, some of the maps have been a little bit redone uh, or, or had some additions to celebrate pride in them I think the big one is the midtown map um, they've there's there's rainbow confetti there's rainbow crosswalks I think there's some flags and map and things like that so it's a cool event and, and nice uh, you know a very nice thing to see in the game and and very exciting i i do like this um but really this is it it doesn't affect the gameplay in any way it's not like there's a new mode or anything like that um and there's no challenges associated either i you know i wouldn't even think they would have to make something associated to you know uh sexuality in any way they could tie it to the characters right just make some make it a a tracer farah baptiste uh, life weaver soldier farah challenges or something like that you know just kind of center them around those characters and that way they could actually provide it to everyone and uh you know just give a little bit of an extra bonus to anyone who who wants to try and complete some extra challenges right um now from that story which is a very positive story very exciting very nice to see and uh, obviously very inclusive to one that certainly is less so now this comes from dexerto.com with an art another article this time by michael gwilliam published on may 30th and it reads overwatch 2's pride event con content will be blocked for some players pride is finally coming to the overwatch 2 universe in the form of special event featuring map makeovers cosmetics and other goodies However, while the Overwatch 2 team is proud of the event they cooked up, not everyone will have access to the content when it goes live, but for a good reason. During an interview with Dexerto, the Overwatch 2 devs revealed methods to protect players and countries with anti-LGBT laws from participating in the Pride event on June 1st. According to senior game producer Brandy Styles, all Overwatch 2 Pride content will be opt-in to give players the choice to express themselves or not. Quote, we have tech in place to limit this content from going out to countries that have laws that aren't tolerant of LGBT content, she added. This helps us protect those players. Furthermore, players in countries that are not LGBT friendly 
won't be able to opt in for their for the pride event due to the laws in place in those countries where such content isn't accepted quote our values are to protect players aaron keller added quote we want to protect players around the world you can equip a cosmetic in one country and travel to somewhere else with different rules and get in trouble so we feel like it's our responsibility to help protect people like that and follow the laws in countries that we operate in as of writing this, the developers have not provided a list of the countries where the content will not be allowed. In any case, players eager to celebrate Pride in Overwatch 2 Universe will soon get their chance when the event kicks off on June 1st. Now, the interesting thing about this is I hadn't heard all of that. I had heard that they were um, sort of blocking the content in countries that weren't accepting of these laws. Or, sorry... Uh, countries that uh, um, have laws that aren't tolerant of LGBT content, as they say in the article here. Um, so I had heard that part. I didn't hear the sort of angle that they're taking about protecting players. It makes me a little iffy because I, yeah, I could see that spin on it. But I also think it's largely a shareholder thing where we know that, uh, you know, Blizzard had problems with um you know players speaking out against uh the chinese dictatorship and things like that years ago um i, I want to say it was blitz chung or something like that um and so i kind of feel a little bit like it's somewhat disingenuous of them to say that or to to frame it that way um i think a big part of it is the corporate side of things but okay i'll, I'll give it to them you know there is an element of of you know protecting players um I do wonder, you know, what, I don't know. I don't know other countries. I don't know their laws. I don't know the extent of their power either. So it's hard for me to comment on what might actually happen if someone were to, you know, have a, a Tracer Pride uh, name card or something like that in Overwatch in a country where where that is not acceptable. But in any case, uh, I suppose it's good that Blizzard is considering all angles um, but again, I think a large, I think a large part of the motivation behind it is the corporate side and not necessarily how they're presenting it. So in any case, celebrate pride people just like, who cares who people love? Just like, whatever, how does it affect you at all? Let them let people love who they love, you know? With all that said, that is it for the news. We are about 14 minutes into the episode here. And honestly, just again, as I talked about last week, laying low. We don't have a ton to talk about yet. And in fact, I believe this season ends quite soon. Um, let me take a look here and I'll find out. Overwatch Season 4 end date. Overwatch Season 4 ends on Tuesday, June 13th. Oh, okay, so we've actually got a little bit of time here. Uh, we've still got, let's see, as of recording, we got, we got, uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, we'll have about two weeks left. So, all right, fine, I'll take it. I will take it. But the interesting thing about this is, of course, that um, I personally have completed the Battle Pass. That's right, I did it last week uh, as I was working on the Symmetric Garden Challenge, just as I had speculated uh, on the last episode of one man watch point um i kind of guessed that uh that's how things would happen um 
as I was completing those challenges, it would kind of push me over the edge uh, just in doing the number of required matches. And I'm happy to report that before I got the 24 matches played or, you know, 12 wins kind of thing for the Symmetra Challenge, I'm happy to report I had already completed the Battle Pass. So it did not take all of the bonus XP to push me over. Um, but nonetheless, it was uh, a helpful, helpful experience to gather. So... Now, with all of that said, let's move on over to our OWL recap, and we'll talk a little bit about this week's matches in the Overwatch League. This is it. Push forward. All right. So what we'll do here, we'll do a quick recap of the games here and the scores and everything, and then uh, I might just touch on a few of these matches. And, uh, of course, after that, we'll jump on over to our pickums and uh, predict the next week's upcoming matches. So we kicked things off. Actually, uh, yep, on Friday, May 26th, with the London Spitfire taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And of course, Glads came out 3-1 over top of London. I think a, a result most people had probably predicted. If not, they probably predicted a 3-0. Uh, Gladiators were looking quite good. Um, you know, they, they were looking pretty sweet. And then something happened that I'll talk about shortly here. Then, of course, the Atlanta Reign 3-0'd the Vegas Eternal. No surprises there. The New York Excelsior then 3-0'd the Washington Justice, which may be a bit surprising. I think these two teams are kind of uh, looking similar in a lot of ways, but Washington, I think, has had a bit of an easier schedule. They've played a few easier teams, so Washington is currently sitting with five wins and three losses, whereas New York kind of on the opposite end of that, three wins and five losses. But overall, I think these teams are somewhat evenly matched, with, with maybe New York overperforming a bit um, in terms of how people expected them to do. After that, the Houston Outlaws took a 3-2 win over the Florida Mayhem, and this was a great match. Um, ultimately, Houston really did manage to edge out the win there, um, but it was it was back and forth. Uh, you know, Florida looked dominant on Oasis. They took it two to zero. Hollywood went to Houston two one. Then it went back to Florida Junker on Junkertown two one. Then of course New Queen Street. Uh, Houston only managing to cap. Uh, well, I guess there's only the one to cap unless you full complete. But anyways, uh, Houston took it one zero. And of course, then they went to map five, and it was a full 2-1 uh, round on Nepal for Houston. So this was a good match. Uh, definitely inspired confidence in Houston. I think it also inspired confidence in Florida. You know, Florida had a bit of a tough weekend the week and prior uh, with a match, I believe, against the Valiant that uh, wound up being a reverse sweep for the Florida Mayhem. But uh Certainly, they looked a little shaky there for whatever reason. So I think this was a good match for both teams, a close match by all means, um, and an exciting one. So Now, after Friday, we then actually head over to the East, and I'll just read through all of the East games here because they are in their tournament play. Of course, they are uh, looking at their knockouts right now Excuse me, in order to qualify for the midseason madness. So on Saturday, May 27th, Dreamers got a 3-0 win over the Soul Dynasty. That's right. Pokerface then 3-1 Rhodes. And, oh, we have two more matches on Saturday. Pantera then 3-0'd Sinprisa Gaming. And finally, our final match on Saturday, May 27th in the East, O2 Blast with a 3-0 win over the Shanghai Dragons. So 
exciting stuff there. Obviously, Seoul and Shanghai both getting bested by the contenders teams. So, oof, bit of an oof for them. But you know, these are these are good teams by all means. These contenders teams uh, are showing that they can compete. Then on Sunday, May 28th, the Hangzhou Spark took a 3-2 win over the Guangzhou Charge. Spark looking better. Maybe they've figured things out. Uh, you know, cross your fingers for all the Spark supporters. Dreamers then getting a 3-2 win over Poker Face. And of course, the Soul Infernal getting a 3-1 win over the Dallas Fuel. And finally, O2 Blast getting a 3-1 win over Pantera. So, interesting stuff in the East. We have just a lot going on over there and and i'm really excited to see some of these teams play in the mid-season madness tournament of course now let's head on back to the west where we'll talk about saturday may 27th things kicked off of course on saturday with a 3-1 win for the london spitfire over the toronto defiant now just like the desk said um i think most people were pulling or suspected toronto to win this match London, I don't know what exactly it was. I think they are maybe a bit out for blood. Um, and I think they maybe saw this match as one that they could realistically win. And certainly they looked better in many ways. And, and they kind of uh, figured the game out. And it seems a little bit like uh, they knew how to take advantage of Toronto, which was not good for them. So Toronto took the first map on Ilios 2-1. Then London took uh, King's Row 4-3 with what looked like it was going to be a very good push from Toronto. Uh, things quickly turned and it was also a very good push for London. And then of course they went into the extra rounds and London managed to squeak out the win. We then went to Havana and London took it 2-1. Again, relatively close map at times, I guess, but ultimately London looked better. And then finally Coliseo, London took it 1-0. And honestly, uh, I think I said last week when I was doing my pickums, if Toronto can't get both wins this, this next weekend, then I will be seriously considering picking them. Uh, I guess I will seriously be considering if I pick them or not in most of their matchups going forward, because they're they're kind of showing where they sit in the standings realistically. Um, you know, right now Toronto in eighth with three and five. New York is beneath them, also with three and five. San Fran right below that with three and five. And then London, two and six. We know Toronto beat New York. So sure, maybe Toronto should be over New York. But we just saw London beat Toronto. Should Toronto be above, uh, or sorry, should London be above Toronto? Hard to say. I would, you know, it's it's just tough. All of Toronto's wins have been against lower end teams and London now showing that I mean hey maybe their wins have been against lower end teams if you count Toronto as a lower end team right so so far this season has been a disappointing one as a Toronto fan moving on from there still on Saturday the Atlanta Reign 3-1 the Boston Uprising Atlanta continuing to show their dominance and look very clean um, yes they did have the one map loss to Boston but ultimately Atlanta continuing to dominate Florida Mayhem 3-0 the San Francisco Shock after that. And then London out, uh, sorry, and then the Houston, not London, Outlaws 3-1 the Vancouver Titans in what was a really exciting match. And I think Vancouver really showing that they can tussle with the top dogs. Even if they didn't come out on top here, there were some close calls where they definitely could have made this a 3-2. So uh, Vancouver looking very good. And I actually tweeted out the other day, um, 
I'm happy to say that it's fun watching Vancouver play again. Uh, Cause you know, everyone knows for the past, for the past couple of weeks, we have not so much uh, had the, uh, sorry, did I say the past couple of weeks, the past couple of seasons, we have not had the best time with our Vancouver team. So really nice to see them doing well and uh, performing at a high level all around. After that, Sunday, May 28th, the Toronto Defiant 3-0 Vegas Eternal. Good. That's exactly how it should have been. Um, yes, there were some mistakes. Yes, there was, I believe, a pretty significant back cap by Vegas. Um, but ultimately, thank goodness Toronto got this win. Toronto should have been coming out of this weekend with two wins. And realistically, the London game should have inspired them to have a lot of confidence and just crush the Vegas Eternal. As it was that they lost it, they still defeated Vegas, you know, quite handily, obviously 3-0. But like I say, it wasn't as dominant as I would have liked to see. Disappointing all around. Our next match on Sunday saw the Washington Justice 3-0 the Los Angeles Gladiators. And like I said, this was a strange result. Gladiators currently now sitting with five wins and three losses. If they had won that, they would be in the third, fourth, fifth, tied for third, fourth, fifth, aside from, you know, map differential. Uh, Florida in third with six and two, Boston in fourth with six and two, and it would be Glads in, in fifth with six and two. So as is, they're in sixth because of five and three, and map diff puts Washington ahead of them. Glads should have won this match. I did not watch it, so I can't really comment too much on what exactly happened. Um, I was talking to someone from the community, and it does sound like uh, Washington just outplayed them on... I can't remember what exactly they said. Let me... Actually, let me just check here. I'll pull it up, and we'll see what I was told here. Uh... Kai just isn't him. Flora absolutely embarrassed him. And then it sounds like uh, Glads were trying to play Monkey into Ram, and the better teams don't play or practice Ram. Well, the middle teams see more success with him. So it sounds like Dante just couldn't match Mirror in the Ram-Mirror match. So, you know, a little bit interesting there, a bit of a comp diff kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, we see Washington coming out 3-0 with the win. Then the Boston Uprising 3-1, the San Francisco Shock. And finally, to close out our weekend, the Vancouver Titans 3-1, the New York Excelsior. Now this one, I was actually mowing the lawn while listening to this match in my ear. And it was very interesting because it was a lot of New York, New York, New York. And then it was a lot of, oh my gosh, Vancouver's making it happen. What's going on? How is this happening? Oh, New York with a great push, Vancouver with a better push. So once again, it's fun. It's I'm very happy that it's fun to watch Vancouver play again, because it was. Now, with all of that said and done, let's jump over and take a look at our pickums for this upcoming weekend, and we will pick some matches. In last week's matches, I, of course, got 26 points in the Western region. Um, however, we do not know... Uh, oh, week five. Nope, not week five. I want to look at the knockouts East A and B. I am not getting many points in the East. It does appear as though my previous picks of the bracket have not accumulated a ton of points for me. So let's look at our upcoming matches. First things first. I actually don't know what order. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Silly me. Here we go. 
So we actually start with our elimination round one matches. Uh, these will start at 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Friday, June 2nd. And we will have the San Francisco Shock taking on the Vancouver Titans. Now, I'm actually giving this to Vancouver. I'll give Shock a map, and I'm going to say this is a 3-1 win for the Titans. Then the Toronto Defiant take on the New York Excelsior. And this is already where things get dicey. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I know I just said that I would seriously consider picking Toronto over a lot of teams, and... With the way New York played against Vancouver, I could see it being a a New York win. I'm going to say it's a 3-2 for Toronto. That is a bit of cope. I am just crossing my dang fingers that Toronto gets it. Oh, that could easily be incorrect. But Then we have the Florida Mayhem taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. I'm going to give it to Florida 3-2. Then we have the Boston Uprising taking on the Washington Justice. I'm giving it to Boston. Uh, I'll go 3-0. I'm going to say Boston 3-0 is Washington. Okay, so if we then move to Saturday, June 3rd, we kick things off at 1 p.m. with the Vancouver Titans following my bracket, taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. Now, I do think Glads beat this. I'll give Vancouver a map, uh, but ultimately Glads will move on, and that will be it for Vancouver in the qualifiers here. Then the Washington Justice and the Toronto Defiant will face off. And, and, and. Wow, that's tough. That is tough. Hmm. Do we put the Washington Justice over the Toronto Defiant? I think, honestly, I will. I'm going to say it's a 3-2 for Washington. I'm very hopeful that Toronto can win that, and then I think Toronto will be out in the next round, but I digress. All right, now let's move on. Oh, we're still on Saturday, June 3rd. That means at 4 p.m., the Florida Mayhem will be taking on the Boston Uprising. And, of course, the loser will drop to the elimination bracket, but the winner will advance to the midseason madness tournament. I'm giving the winner to the Florida Mayhem. I'm going to say Boston takes them all the way, though. And that's going to be a tough matchup for if it's the Glads or Florida against Boston there. That's going to be a tough one. But I'll say 3-2 for Florida. Then we come on down to Sunday, June 4th, where we have elimination round three. At 1 p.m., the Gladiators will... I'm going to 3-0 the Washington Justice. And then, of course, that means that the Boston Uprising drop to the elimination bracket and the Gladiators take on Boston at 2.30 p.m. This means the Gladiators have to get three wins in a row. Granted, you know, two in the same day, one the day prior. I don't know if Glads can do it. Glads, 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 Glads. Glads have a worse record than Boston right now. I don't want to do it, but I'm picking Boston over Glads. I'm saying it's 3-2 Boston. Yeah, it kind of stings because I don't want it to be Boston, but hey, that's what I'm thinking. And of course, now the two absent teams, or two of the absent teams that you see in that bracket, are of course the Atlanta Reign and the Houston Outlaws because they have already punched their ticket to the midseason madness. So they get a bye the other three teams that you don't see in that bracket are the London Spitfire, the Los Angeles Valiant, and the Vegas Eternal, who are all on the outside looking in for the midseason madness knockoff cutoff. Knockout cutoff, sorry. So, unfortunately, London 2-6, and six, and then Valiant and Vegas 0-8. and eight, Both of those teams not qualifying for even the knockout tournament. So, let's save our predictions. And with all that said, that means that is, of course what our weekend looks like. If I pull things up schedule-wise, uh, just to put it all in order here, 
Friday, June 2nd at 1 p.m., the Shock take on Vancouver. Friday, June 2nd at 2.30 p.m., the New York Excelsior take on the Toronto Defiant. Friday, June 2nd at 4 p.m., the Los Angeles Gladiators take on the Florida Mayhem. And Friday, June 2nd at 5.30 p.m., the Washington Justice take on the Boston Uprising. So that is your start of the weekend. And then Saturday, Sunday are TBD based on the results of those previous matches. But that's what things look like in the West. If we do move over to the East, of course, their bracket continues. Saturday, June 3rd at 2 a.m. Mountain Time, the Dreamers take on the Guangzhou Charge. And finally, at uh, 3.30 a.m., O2 Blast takes on the Dallas Fuel. So what that means, I believe, if I'm interpreting this correctly, is Sunday, June 4th at 2 a.m., the winner of Dreamers Guangzhou will take on the Hangzhou Spark. Then at 3.30 a.m. on Sunday, June 4th, the winner of O2 Blast and Dallas Fuel will take on the Soul Infernal to determine which two teams head on over to the Midseason Madness Tournament. Of course, in, I believe it's in Seoul, South Korea. Is that right? I believe that's correct. So there you have it. That is, of course, what we are looking at for our upcoming weekend in matches in the Overwatch League. And with all of that said we're going to have another short episode this week. I talked even less this week. Uh, I'm always tired. But in any case, let's head on over and close out this show. Well, there you have it. That's another short episode. That was episode 110 of One Man Watchpoint titled Laying Low or Not. One Man Watchpoint is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can hit me up over on Twitter with questions, comments, concerns about video games, about Overwatch, about the Overwatch League in general. And I would love to bring them to the show. So please reach out to me and give me things to talk about. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends. And, of course, just have a good time. You can, of course, also check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, also available on podcast services everywhere once again thank you so much for listening to one man watchpoint we'll catch you next week hopefully with a little bit more news perhaps news about season five of overwatch but we'll find out then never trust an omnic